open the Word of God and teach us. We desperately need to hear from heaven to be encouraged and strengthened and reminded of really what's important and what isn't. Forgive us, Lord, of our sins. We pray with the Lord as you taught us, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, even in our lives, as it is and has always been in the heavens. Thank you for daily bread. You meet our every need. Thank you for working in recent weeks in Sue's life, giving her that job, and now Bonnie, we thank you for that. And thank you for giving Ron work this week. And thank you, Father, for your goodness. You are good. We thank you that we can live indoors in food and clothing. Thank you you provided this place for us as a church. Thank you for the property that you've given us. We bless you for Charlie and Gloria Jones. We thank you for that. Forgive us of our sins, Lord, always. It's a 24-7 thing, Lord. Cleanse us. Convict us, Lord. May we think hard and long in the discipline and lay those things before you. Forgive us, Lord, for thought, words, and deed. Even as your children that have dishonored you, Lord, forgive us. Cleanse us afresh that our fellowship with you would be sweet. We pray that you'd lead us not into temptation. We're so weak and vulnerable and frail, but deliver us from evil. Thank you for that. Feed us now. May we be being filled with spirit. May the spirit of God teach us the things of Jesus, the things that you have for us this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, uh, you have your handout, and uh, I appreciate that. Bonnie does such a great job of that every week, and we appreciate that. Turn to Luke, uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 18. I want to ask the question this morning, is Jesus worth it? Is Jesus worth it? Now, it almost sounds sacrilegious, but it's a question that uh, we're going to unfold and think about here and then see the answer that our Lord gives us. You know, there are times in life when following Jesus is very hard, very difficult. I mean, there are times when it is rough. Intentional obedience to be a follower of Jesus uh, there's a price to pay. That's why Jesus said when we offer the gospel, we ought to tell people, count the cost of discipleship. There's a cost. And if not, we'll find ourselves scattering the seed of the gospel into the land on, on, on hearts that are not prepared, and when a little bit of trouble comes, they're gone. There's no fruit, no harvest, because there's no regeneration. That we're to count the cost of what it means to follow Jesus. Maybe, on your sheet, maybe life is better with Jesus, and it is, but it doesn't always seem that way. You know, it's that upside-down world, that Psalm 73, the Humpty Dumpty world. Well, what do I mean? Is it worth following Jesus when doing so makes you less popular in school? Now, I mean, some of you, most of you are out of school, but I remember this, and I remember... Uh, even though we were involved with uh, athletics and student government and all that, there was a price to pay. There were friends that uh, were no longer friends because if you were serious or semi-serious about loving the Lord and, and serving Him, there are certain things they sort of left you out. Okay, there's a, there's a price to pay. And our kids and our grandchildren uh, know what that is and live with that in the school environment. How about, how about getting ahead in business due to less moral scruples? We grew up in a family business, and I worked it for a number of years, and there were some times I was competing for business, and uh, I lost the business. 
And I knew very well that I was being undercut in an unethical way. And sooner or later, the would-be customer would find that out uh, as uh, the numbers were shaded a bit to get the window quote, and uh, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. To grease the sled to get him in, or, oops, we're going to add to it later. Uh-uh. Or when serving him takes you away from uh, your family. Uh, we'll talk, talk about that just a little bit. That's a price that Faith and I have had to pay. I mean, when I think about that, uh, uh, my, when I told my father, we were uh, really, we have to follow the call of God in our life, and I could stay in business, and my father offered me the business. My dad was not saved then. I loved him very much. I loved the years working with him, uh, and, and so on, after college, after we were married, and, and he, with tears in his eyes, said, it's not right. It's not right, Terry, that you should take faith and move to a faraway place uh, we're family. And I knew he didn't understand. He didn't, I didn't have his blessing. He was only hurt. And, uh, and with tears in our eyes, uh, we follow the call of God in that. That's a little different than following him in salvation, but the call of God, we'll see that here with the disciples, sometimes takes us away from home and family, and, uh, and there's a price to pay. And, and even years later, I mean, as I think about it, uh, of our four parents, uh, my father uh, died when I was pastoring in Indiana in the middle of winter, and I was never to see him again in 1983. The storm, the blizzard hit there, and I couldn't get home, and the funeral happened, and I came, fine. we got finally there the day after. And um, how did that happen? How? Yeah, there's a price to pay sometimes. Uh, for God says to some, you, you know, in following him, there's a call, a vocational call, don't have to be in faraway Africa, although missionaries face the same. Church planners and pastor teachers, God has one. Do we, is Jesus first? Is he, is he our all in all? Are we willing to do that? And then later in time, when we were away from Faithy's mom and dad, each one of them were to die. We were not there, privy to be there. Other sisters were there, Faithy, and, uh, and they died. We were able to be at each of their funerals. We were glad for that. And now as my mother ages, it's, a, it's an increasing burden on my heart as she's unsteady, even walking a little bit and these kind of things. And uh, uh, there's an increased burden to the younger brothers. I'm glad they're there. I call. I feel like uh, I'm not I'm doing what God wants us to do, but uh, there's a price. So you see, there's a burden there to do that. And I, if I had any doubt we weren't to be here, we wouldn't be here, and, and, and so on. And we love you very dearly, and we'll see that. But sometimes following Jesus and salvation, following him in our life, takes us away from family. Or, or when following him causes you to say no to romantic relationships that hinder you from growing in godliness. Uh, again, again, I go back to dating life. There were different girls before I ever met Faithy in college that... Um, uh, that, that there was a closeness and a friendship, and, and I had to hard my heart walk away from that. And I, why? Because it wasn't to be of the Lord, and I wanted to honor him and put him first. That is difficult. And it's difficult when you're an adult and wondering if there's any other and the possibilities, and yet if there, you can only ever ma uh, a, a day, uh, marry a, another believer, marry only ever in the Lord, uh, so then that restricts who you're going to date, I'm always nervous about missionary dating anyway. That's another subject. But uh, what, what about that? Is it really worth following Jesus 
Is it really worth it, we say? People have been asking this question ever since the days of the first disciples. Peter, James, and John, they left everything. They left everything. And, and I have it on your sheet, Luke 5.11. Check that later. They were wealthy business people. They were fishermen uh, on the Sea of Galilee. And the text says, and then when Jesus called them, they left everything to follow Jesus. But later... Isn't it interesting? In our text today, they would, in other places, they could not help but wonder whether it was worth it or not. As they, the ups and downs and the pangs and the disappointments and the loss and suffering and all that's involved with life in a fallen world as we live and follow the Lord, was it really worth it? Well, there, in our text today, there are two considerations helping us to weigh the worthiness of following Jesus. And we need to know that. We need to hear that again. And we need to be reminded of this. Is it worth it or is it not? One man writes, people who make the decision to follow Jesus may sometimes have their doubts or even their regrets, but they will never end up on the losing end of God's bargain. Never end up on that. Why? Because Jesus has given this guarantee in our text here today that anyone who leaves anything behind for him, for the kingdom of God, will receive many times over in this life and in the life to come. And so two considerations. Uh, the first one, verses 28 to 30. The second one we're just going to take a, a look at and, and kind of do a twist of things a little bit, 31 to 34. The first consideration we discover, Jesus answered the disciples by promising rewards for us in following him as they did. Look at 18 of Luke, verse 28, 29, and 30. Remember, we're coming off the section of the rich young ruler who was not willing to sell all that he have, have treasure in heaven, and follow Jesus. And that's the setting. And so in verse 28, the text begins, And Peter then said, See, we have left our homes and followed you. And Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, there's no one who has left house, look at this list now, house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time, that's now, in this present age, and in the age to come eternal life. Well, Jesus answers their, Peter's question, and Peter speaking uh, on behalf of uh, the, uh, the twelve, uh, and he answers. Peter, after having seen the rich young ruler walk away from Jesus and the promise of treasure in heaven, he is wondering, he's really wondering out loud, and I love that, I love wondering, because, you know, I think, you ever wonder that in class? Someone will raise their hand, like, and they'll ask a question, like, oh, I'm so glad he asked that, because I was, I was wondering the same thing. Well, he's, here he is again, Mr. Motormouth, our, our beloved Peter, don't we love him so much? Uh, he speaks up, and they're all wondering the same thing. Uh, they're wondering whether uh, he and the others have done the best thing. I mean, they saw the rich guy come. I mean, this guy was a good guy, right? Uh, at least he thought he was keeping the law. And uh, Jesus puts his finger right on the mark that he has another God in his life. You know, he had wealth, but his wealth had him. 
It's not a call for every believer to go out and sell all that you have. You just go throw in his heart and say, look, you've broken the law even at the first place. You know, have no other gods before you. You've got all your treasure. It's filled your heart. There's no room for, for really God. And uh, go and sell and follow me. And, uh, and, he, and he couldn't do it. Why? Because he loved his wealth. And, Peter, and they're standing there. He prized, number one, the rich man ruler prized what he owned so much, he wouldn't give it away for Jesus. He had it, but it had him, really. And that can easily happen to us, can't it? All the trinkets and all the gizmos and gadgets and wealth of our day. Now, remember, it's only monopoly money. I'm not kidding. And we have lived in these last years where they keep running the printing press. I'm not kidding you. It's monopoly money. Be careful. Realize what real wealth is. It's treasure in heaven. Treasure in heaven. The money they used in this day, it's worthless today. Worthless. Worthless. So just, I say that because we live in this, this world where they spell success and dollar sign and all of this nonsense, and it's false. It's a lie. And, and the ruler was sucked in it. Peter sees this. He's wondering, boy, I wonder if that was worth it. Was it worth it to follow it? Lord, did we, make, did we do the right thing, the best thing here? Matthew's account, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all include this account. And in Matthew 19.27, uh, Matthew includes their, their question of what then will we have? In other words, was it worth it? What's our benefit in following you, having left everything? They're, they're, they're wondering. Here it is, the idea. They, 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 uh, we, if we're going to make the grand divestment and give up everything else in life for Jesus, we want to know what's the return. Now, you know, was this an arrogant thing? I don't think so. I don't think that, that I mean, they really did leave everything. I think it was a, a humble, honest statement. And it was an honest question. There was no braggadocious here at all. They're just wondering what's... You know what? It was one of those moments. I think it's, I think it's like a, a Job, Job had the same. I mean, Job was a godly man in the midst of all that trouble going on. And he's, and he's trying to figure, he's lost everything now. And he's going like, Lord, where are you? If I could just have an audience with you, if I could just plead my case. Remember that? He says, what? You know, sort of like the what in the, after the whirlwind hits. Where's God? Where's that? It's in the waiting rooms. It's in the disappointment times. It's in these things where, we're, where we love the Lord. We're following him. We're walking with him as a believer. And we go like, well, it's not what I was thinking. You know, like, uh, you know, it's lions one, Christians nothing, and I'm getting killed. That's, 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 that's what he's talking about, and he's wondering about that. Well, Jesus, B, didn't always answer, ever notice that? Didn't always answer people's questions directly. He didn't always, you see that? Because he knew their motives, and a lot of times, and they were like trick questions and these kind of things. So he, he but, and here, I, no, I noticed that because here, uh, A, the Lord doesn't say, get what you deserve. No, Peter, you deserve hell. You're a sinner. The wage of sin is death. I notice he doesn't answer it that way either. He could have. But in a tremendous moment, the Lord answers with a very direct promise. And he answers, well, is it really worth it following Jesus? And he answers. He says, and he, he's going to talk about a vast reward that uh, God promises uh, both present and future, both now and in heaven, 
blessings for anyone who leaves behind and follows Jesus, verses 29 through 30. And this is encouraging. Now, in a general sense, one, in a general sense, this is true for every one of us who have, who have become a follower of Jesus. In the general sense, you have, you have repent. God has given you the gift of repentance and faith. That's a gift, you know. You don't work that up. You didn't come to that point. God worked that in you through regeneration. You heard the word of God, one sowed, another water, through a process of time. Sometimes you heard it one time, and God saves you, able to do that. And he gives you repentance and faith. You turn from your sin, you're, you're departing and leaving that, and faith means, uh, the saving faith means that you're trusting only Jesus, Christ alone. You have given up any other works, your own works, or righteousness, or any other avenue to try and merit favor, saving favor before God. And so there's a, a general sense uh, of leaving the old life behind, the sinful ways behind, and uh, clinging only to Jesus. However, there's a specific sense, and that's the way he's answering here. Some Christians, like the disciples, are called to go beyond this and to make some specific sacrifices. This is what Jesus is talking about here. And in order to fill, fulfill God's special calling, they must give up certain things that they love most in the entire world. And at points, it may cause them to wonder, is it worth it? Is it worth it? There are times in, when uh, we struggle to pack up and leave uh, Buffalo out of business and there are tears in our eyes, you know, and then through the ups and downs and God's calling in, in our life, you know, and he, God has always met us at that, at that moment of, uh, of spiritual and emotional need and, and uh, given us himself and encouragement. Uh, but to say that we've not had that is not true. Some of the... Some of the deepest disappointments that uh, we have suffered uh, uh, are uh, not the nuts and the bolts and things, not the physical thing, but it's, it's people disappointment. And it's, I'm sure in a, in a real sense, it's true in your life too. It's, it's the hurts that we do to each other. And sometimes it hurts worse. Sometimes the sacrifice is greater. And, and those that are further away, it seems to hurt us less than those that are close. But we go like... Lord, is that what we signed up to? Is that what we signed up for? Well, in order to fulfill God's special calling, these must give up some of the things that they love most in the entire life. Is it worth it to follow Jesus? That's what the disciples are wondering here. I mean, they were beyond salvation. They're going to now be called to go throughout the whole world. We stand here today because much because of their work. And I remind you, just jump ahead, this is what Jesus did, did he not? I mean, the Father sent him. He left the glory of heaven and all the trimmings of that and came way, 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 way down here, born in the stable by a virgin there in Bethlehem so many years ago. We, in December now, when we're celebrating that, we're singing about that. And uh, he gave up all that, that he might provide salvation for you and for me. The depths of the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was abandoned, someone said, that we might never be. And so he knows all of that, what that means, uh, to follow the will of the Father, even though it took him far away from him and his home in heaven. Wow. Well, Jesus reassures Peter. I love this. And the others, uh, God is aware 
what? God is aware of every sacrifice they would make and that you and I would make, and God will keep the books, and he is the rewarder. Now, isn't that a great encouragement? God rewards for every sacrifice, everything that we have ever done for the kingdom. It's recorded, and the blessings will be compounded over and over, and in two ways, both now in this life and in the life to come. Notice the list of things sacrificed as he pronounces his double blessing, uh, promised. It's a promise by Jesus. Notice the list of things sacrificed that's comprehensive, and they emphasize family relationships more than anything else. I think it's interesting. Peter goes like, we've left everything, everything Jesus answers referring to people. Now, people are far more valuable than things. I think that's, and far harder to leave than things, right? Sometimes I had an old pair of shoes, and I'll find, uh, I get pretty close to my shoes. I don't know if you like me, but uh, faith will think, well, these things have seen better days, and uh, then they go out into the trash. Well, in our home, I'm the trash guy, and I have rescued some of my <laughs> shoes from uh, the burning, fiery furnace, you know, and uh, they've lived to see and uh, walk another mile in another day, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and so on. Uh, and, uh, and I have no idea what was that all about. Yes, thank you so much. Things are not as important as people. <laughs> Even though we pitch stuff, right? People are, they live forever. All people, whether in heaven or hell, forever. And he says here, leaving home. Well, what's that mean? In that day, to abandon one's home or family or home or house is largely to leave the security of a vocation. In those days, it was trade. A father taught a son a trade, and it was learned in the home. Much like in my home, I learned a business and a trade. I grew up. It's intuitive to me. I was able to do that later when I was in graduate school, and I ran an old man's business for him. We didn't know how to do it. He had bought the business while well, I was three or four years in graduate school, and God blessed that and used that and so on and so on. And, and I left that. God used it later, but, uh, but it, I left that security. My father's saying, I'll sign it over now. You can have more money than you ever need to be comfortable and safe and secure. And when I read this, I go like, wow, flashback. I remember that so much. That's what Peter did. Peter, as a fisherman, left the family business and all the assets to follow the Lord Jesus. So he's, he's talking very directly about leaving your home. Uh, to, uh, to, uh, one's, for one to abandon the pursuit of a secure financial position, as a result of that departure is what it means to leave a home. Now, to leave one's wife, what does that mean? Well, that doesn't mean to leave her, goodbye, honey, you know, because you balance Scripture with Scripture. A husband's supposed to love his wife, uh, and so on. So it may mean, it may mean this. It may, mean, be, may be, be some times when the, the work is dangerous or far away or whatever, and he leaves her behind for a short term. But I think more like uh, a couple of the other uh, writers writing about this say that uh, if a man has a call of God in his life and he really feels like at the present time in the ministry, it's probably better off for him not to be married. And uh, like Paul says that, you know, he said that for the present hour, you know, I don't have a wife. Now, I think he had a wife. He had to be a wife to be a Sanhedrin member. We think he was, 
But she had died, evidently, and he didn't remarry. And he carried on his ministry in solo. He's, and he says in 1 Corinthians 9, uh, you know, Peter has a wife and others have a wife. He's not saying that. To have a wife is a gift from the Lord. Whosoever finds a wife finds a good thing. And to, but for the present time, to say not to have a wife, to do the work solo so it's an undivided heart, you're not distracted and loving, caring for your wife like a man needs to do, see. And that's, I think, what he's saying. And the same thing with children then. You're not leaving your children. What a terrible thing that is. Man doesn't provide for his family. He's worse than an infidel. You're to train and raise your family. He's not saying, go leave your kids. Let someone else raise them. Don't do that. But he's saying, if you forego and not have a wife, then probably you won't have children then. I think that's, the, I think that's what he is saying here. He's not saying neglecting uh, your children or abandoning them because that would contradict Scripture grossly in other places. I don't think that's what he's saying. But so notice the near and the future. Uh, present blessings um, include receiving many times, I mean, mucho, many times more than what we would ever give up. That's what he's saying. That's, that's the reward. The reward is, A, our church family. I don't know if you ever thought of it. In two ways, really, this is answered. The reward of giving up uh, and following Jesus and maybe give, being cut off. I mean, there's some cultures, Muslim and others, if you're, you become a follower of Christ, you're no son of mine. You know, in some places, it's hard like that around the world. It's hard for us to think about that in America. And think of the, the, the body of believers there. And increasingly, the body of believers there need to be knitted together. And God has given us as a, as a forever family in the church. And we call each other brother and sister. There's a reason for that. Now, how much more wonderful if your natural brothers and sisters, mom, dad, are saved and in the family and, and in your local church. But, but um, this, yes, I'm giving you many times over. That's how faith and I count you guys as brothers and sisters. We love you dearly. I was thinking about that. The hardest thing for us in the ministry of the gospel through all these years is when you love people and you draw them close and you work with them and then for whatever reason they say, well, we're leaving. They just leave. And, and it's, it's such a transition. I said that to Mark, you know, I've, we've, we've, and others, guys, I've talked to them. And sometimes it just plummets us in our hearts because we, maybe more so for us, maybe not, I don't know, because we, we, don't, we don't live around aunts and uncles. We're not Sunday afternoon going over to my mother's house. You know what? We, are, we love you. You're our family. And we're folks who so casually say, well, we're gone. And I know that we're never going to see probably them ever, hardly ever again. And I, and I go like, and, it's, and, and someone will say, well, don't take it personally. And I go like, I read this text, and I, I really thought so much about that this week with this text. Because I, I, I'll give you many times over, and he does, and you are our family, and we need to... How is it so? Well, when you're new, new in, in the faith, you have brothers and sisters that help, right? We help each other grow in grace. And sometimes uh, uh, there's loneliness there. I think if you didn't have a church family and one that's active, involved, and loving, and caring, and uh, you're, you're lonely, you know, and, and someone will have you in for a meal or, or, or draw you close and share time and do stuff with, you know, like, like that. Or maybe a couple struggling in marriage, brothers and sisters, they, they gather with an, another one in the family. You know, uh, tell us how we're, we're really struggling here. And, and the church family shares. And then if you should outlive everyone in your natural family. You go, and you go like, I'm the last one, you know, and you have a church family that will love you and, and at your funeral will 
will bury you and sing of the hope of the resurrection and encourage you until that point. It's, it's God's natural thing. You see, that's what he's saying. You have many times over brothers and sisters. That's what Jesus said, and, and you can check Luke 8, who are my brothers and sisters. Jesus goes, these are my brothers and sisters who do my will there. They said, Mary's outside. Remember that text there? That's what he's talking about. Wow. And beyond that, beyond the local body of the church, our church family really saying, I'll give you myself. And Jesus does. He's that friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Don't you love that text in Proverbs 18, 24? He's the friend, both now. He's the one, the peace, our shalom, our joy. He can give a song in the midst of tears. Tears may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And he gives us himself in a large measure. And the Spirit's working in our life, and, and I love that so much I do. Well, not only now, but in the future. Three, future blessings, life everlasting. It will never end. And even the best of times end on earth, and we get sudden pangs of regret. But not in heaven. Do you ever do that? Like, you're having a great time, right? The Bills are winning. They're beating the Steelers. And we're like, ah. I never had that. Never. <laughs> I'm talking about heaven. <laughs> That's true. We've not had it. But yet you're having a great time at a party or maybe a vacation. And you're coming near the end and you get this pang. Like, oh, it's going to be over soon. Oh, nuts. That's, oh, it's, oh, you know, you get that? It's going to be over soon, and you get that, you know, oh, I got to go back. Oh, I got to this. Oh, the party's almost over. Oh, Christmas. That's one of the sad things about Christmas, all the anticipation, and everybody comes in. And then in our case this year, it's going to be so great with all the kids coming and all that. And then when they drive away, we're going to need your help. Faith and I, well, we might be excited for a few days, but then it's just... <laughs> We don't have the energy, but then it's like, oh, they're all, you know, like this kind of thing. You know, it's over. And heaven is forever. You never have to say, hey, that's it. That's all. It goes on forever and ever and ever. Life in heaven uh, is, I have it, it's a free life. It's free of sin. Amen. It's free of pain. How about that? Free of sadness. Oh, I can't wait. Free of tears. Free of death. It's also a full life. Full of worship, music, you can't even begin to imagine. Full of glory, the glory and the beauty of heaven. Full of beautiful new bodies. You know you're going to be beautiful? You are beautiful, but you're going to be, you ain't seen nothing yet. You're going to be beautiful. I mean, if you could see yourself now, we would like be, it's not polite to stare. Did your mother ever teach you? Don't stare. And like if one of you just had a glorious, radiant body, we like, don't stare at beautiful, beautiful, glorified bodies. I mean, that, that's the glory of heaven, the fullness of it. It will be full of Jesus, full of God. We can't even begin to imagine. Well, and so eternity will prove that nothing is worth more living for or dying for than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wow, Jesus answers directly and tells us rewards now. Anything you do for the kingdom, anything in following Jesus as a disciple, he must be number one. The rich run ruler found that out. And uh, in the future, you'll never have a tinge of regret, never. And finally, just, just a thought, verses 31 to 34 is the second consideration. Think about what Jesus did to save us from our sin. 
Again, hear the word of the Lord. Uh, Jesus talking now to the twelve, he said to them, See, we're going up to Jerusalem. Everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophet will be accomplished. He doesn't say, I hope so. Look at his certainty of the word of God. It will be accomplished. For he must be delivered over to the Gentiles. That's new information. And will be mocked. That's new information. Shamefully treated. That's new information to the disciples. Spit upon. That's new information. And after flogging him, that's new information. They're like, what? They, they, he can't be literal when he's saying this. And after flogging him, they'll kill him. And, and, the, and, at the, and on the third day, he will rise. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. I just want to end with this thought. Think about what Jesus did to save us from our sins. Think about that. And let's turn the whole thing around. Turn it around now. We're going like in life when it's tough and everything, we go like, oh, wow, you know, Lord, is it, is it worth it following you? How about for the Lord's sake? I mean, he was God-man. Do you think ever he had in his thought? He knew what was coming. He knew the scriptures, Psalm 22, Isaiah 53. He knew what was coming. You ever think he ever had a thought like saying, I wonder if it's worth it for for, the, for us? I mean, he knew it was coming. Do you ever think he... Ever? Ever? Worth, do you think it was worth it? Let's say you're Jesus. Well, would you? I, I don't think I would. I, you know? For those people? For th I'm going to save them. They're going to continue to live in sin? They're going to live such sloppy, disoriented, disobedient lives. I'll forgive them. I'll, relieve, I'll keep working. They're my project. I'm working in them, both the will and the do. But they're to love me with all their heart and soul and strength. But every day they blow it all over the place. Right? Don't we? I do. We do. We live in that world. And Jesus goes like, is it worth it? We go like, well, we know the passion story. We know he's going to suffer. But he's a man too. Is it worth it? And for the fourth time, I have on your sheet, in Luke, uh, Jesus tells of his coming suffering, death, resurrection, his total confidence in the scriptures, everything written, you can have confidence in the word of God, everything, not one jot nor one tittle, will pass away. And he gives some new information about his suffering. He hadn't said this yet. Gentiles, you see, it wasn't the Jews that killed Jesus. Sometimes you hear that twist. It was all the humanity, Jews and Gentiles. Jews condemned them. They hand them over to the, to the Gentile, Pilate, to the Romans. To All mankind did the will of God there and crucified the Son of God. The, the Crusades where we're going to get the Jews because they killed Jesus. What? Read your Bible again. That's not the story. Turned over to the Gentiles. Mocked and beaten and abused. Was it worth it? Did he ever, was it worth it to save the likes of us? Was it worth it to endure all of this? To walk with his feet on the ground, to have his beard pulled out, to be beat, forsaken, even by the closest of his friends, was it worth it? And I'm reminded, see, that every step that he took toward Jerusalem, every step that he took towards that way, Jesus was saying, yes, yes, it is worth it. And that's why in Hebrews 12, too, I put on your sheet, we find his very thoughts where it says, "Who He for, for whom the joy that was set before Jesus, 
He endured the cross, he despised the shame, and he's seated at the right hand of God. The joy, that's you. That's you. The joy that was before him. He had his eye on you and me as he did the Father's will. That's the reason he did it. He sees us as a finished product. Glorious. Wow. Lessons for our life, just quickly. If you're like most believers, there have been times when you wondered, really wondered whether following Jesus was really worth it. Don't beat yourself up over this. You're in good company. The disciples thought that, and the saints have, and the ups and downs, and the downs and dark times of life. We look up and go, Lord. Number two, be encouraged. As Jesus assures us that God knows every sacrifice we've ever made for him and will reward us for beyond, far beyond what we gave up. God keeps the books. That's what Faithy's dad used to always say. God keeps the books. He keeps the books. He keeps the books. And, and Jesus is saying he will reward. And he does presently. Number three, some are called to sacrifice even more than others, giving up most dear to them what is most dear to them in the world. And we should be especially thankful and supportive of those that carry the gospel in faraway places or to other places away, and we ought to be sensitive to that and support and encourage folks in that. Number four, your church family is a gift to you. You ought to lavish love and considerations upon your brothers and sisters here at Grace. Lavish. Love ought to flow like a deep river here in our relationships. Your natural family may be unsaved, and they may think you quite strange. I've had family members, I have family members that think, what did he do? He threw his life away. That, he's in church all the time. What are you doing there? But your church family loves and cares for you. And even if your family is knows the Lord, they may be far away. And it's your church family. And five, and finally, consider heaven, where it will be far more wonderful than what you could ever imagine. We talked about that Wednesday night at Men's Fraternity, and Dave Mall said, I don't even like to think about heaven. Uh, and I know the scriptures teach this and that, and what I got from Dave was, uh, I walked away thinking, I wanted to ask him, but it seemed... Like, whatever I think, it would be so less than what really it's going to be, so why even waste the time? I'll just wait and see it when I get there. It's sort of like uh, God said, don't make any graven images of me. Any image you make of me will fall so far short. After all, I'm living, and that's not. But in everything else, it won't even begin to compare with the greatness glory of God. So don't even do it. That's the first command. Don't make it. Heaven, I think, is the same way. Can't even begin to think of how glorious it is. It would be so great. It's life forever without end, all because of Jesus. Well, praise God. It is worth following Jesus. It is. We're going to pray, and I'll invite the men to come as we close our service with the Lord's Supper. Shall we pray? Father, thank you so much for your wonderful word. It's so encouraging. Thank you for the rewards promised. Encourage us in our hearts, Lord, to give our life. May we say with Paul, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Help us in that, Father. Knit our hearts together as a church, a church family, 
that we are brothers and sisters and we care for each other deeply, we sacrifice for each other our time or talent or treasury, and ask the Lord uh, to use us to reach many, many people in our community and throughout the world for Jesus. Bless now as we move into and remember your death, Lord. As we partake of the elements, we ask that you search our hearts. In Christ's name, amen.